Well, good morning. It's great to be with you again this morning as we do church online and as we continue in our series around the good life. Jesus said in John 10 verse 10 that he came that we, we may have life and have it to the full. And we want to continue to explore that. What does that mean? What does that look like for us? What does scripture say about that? Um, as we explore that and we look at how Jesus speaks to this issue, he uses a number of phrases to describe this very thing, this good life. He talks about life in the kingdom. He talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So every time we, we see those phrases in scripture, this is what we're talking about. As we look through other scripture, particularly in the New Testament, it's really interesting to note that, that Paul and Peter, uh, in the letters that they write to, uh, to people and to churches at the time, they start their letters with a greeting that includes a blessing of peace and grace to the people. And that's really interesting because grace is actually God's working, God's action in our life. And peace is this substance, this um, situation of life going well. And so, so there's this blessing that's imposed on, on all the recipients of the letters that, that grace and peace is really important. Now, Paul speaks to this in a number of areas in his letters, but I think it's best summarized in his letter to the church in Rome. And this is the passage that, that we just want to bounce out of from last week, this week and the week coming. And it says here in Romans 14 verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, so far we, we have looked at um, back on Good Friday, we looked at how the good life is costly. It actually cost God, cost Jesus through his death um, uh, significantly to bring us the good life that we're talking about. Uh, and then Kev explored on Easter Sunday the idea that the good life is a gift and that we can step in and use that gift and it actually benefits others. And then last week, Keith explored from that verse we just looked at how righteousness, how right relationship with God is a key marker of what a good life entails. So, so today I want to look at that second one in that verse, that, that peace. Peace is something we can actually point to and say that the presence of peace is an indicator that we're living in and stepping into the good life. Now, when I mention the word peace, I wonder what comes to mind for you. What sort of images, what sort of pictures, what scenarios, what situations. And you can see on the screen that here is a few things that would often be associated with peace. We, we have the dove, the, the symbol of peace. Um, we have the peace sign that was used particularly through the 60s and 70s, became quite popular. And then one, one of my favourites there, Forrest Gump. Um, who, who again, through, through that war movement, is, is showing the peace sign. So those things might come to mind for us. And, and in, in a whole lot of popular culture, there's a whole range of other things that, that speak to this issue as well. A few things that came to mind for me were the, the lyrics of John Lennon. Um, quite often he would sing around this stuff. And one of his most famous songs, Imagine, there's lines in that, you know, imagine all the people living life in peace. And he goes on to say that it, you might think he's a dreamer, but he's not the only one. And, and he wants the world to be as one. And then John Lennon again with the Plastic Ono Band, which uh, they just had that song. I don't know if you remember it, where 
they just kept saying, give peace a chance, give peace a chance. Um, another favourite, Cat Stevens, or Yusuf Islam as he's now known, um, wanted us to get on board the peace train. You uh, too sing a song around um, peace on earth. So there's a whole range of things just in popular culture. We have peace movements and peace marches and peace protests and Nobel Peace Prizes. It's, it's something that's actually in the, the very fabric of our society. But what I've noticed with all those things, all those examples that I've just shared with you, the common factor in that is that their understanding and meaning of peace is simply an absence of conflict. It's an absence of war or conflict is what um, in those situations people were talking about, singing about, writing about. But peace is actually a lot more than an absence of of conflict. It's actually a presence of something. Peace is a presence. It's a presence of something that is whole and complete. And as we look at the, the, the Christian narrative, the biblical narrative, we see that Jesus is that presence and the Holy Spirit is that presence, that presence that brings completeness and wholeness. So I want to look a little bit about what Jesus said about this. So before I start with Jesus, let's go back and look at what was prophesied about Jesus. And in the prophet Isaiah, and this is written 700 years before Christ was born, we see in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And in, a, in another translation, I just want to bring your attention to how the word peace has been translated in the message. Look at this on the screen. It says, for a child has been born for us, a gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be amazing counselor, strong God, eternal father, prince of wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. There's something beautiful about that picture, that wholeness. I think it's something we all search for and we search for it in a whole range of different ways. But it's something that as humans, we have this desire to be whole in everything, in our relationships, in our actions, in our purpose, that in our life in general, we want wholeness. And so I love that picture. Um, Zechariah, or as I was told by a Jewish rabbi, Zechariah, um, in, in his Uh, prophecy 500 years before Jesus. We read this in in Zechariah uh, chapter 9 verse 10. It says, I've had it with war, no more war horses in Jerusalem, no more swords and spears, bows and arrows. He will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide. That's talking about Jesus 500 years before he was born. So then when we come to Jesus being on the scene, This idea of peace is something that's so prevalent with who he is and what he's about. And I want to share with you a chapter, sorry, a verse out of John chapter 14, verses 27. And look at what it says here. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
And keeping that theme of wholeness, we read the same verse in the message translation where Jesus says to his disciples, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned or bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. So Jesus lives this life where, and this is not the only time he talks about peace uh, through the Gospels, but I want to get to the point after Jesus has died and risen from the dead, after the resurrection. And, and peace was such a key thing, this, this idea of completeness and wholeness. So when he appears to his disciples after his resurrection, there, there's this picture where they're gathered together and they're in this room. They've got the doors locked because they, they don't want anyone finding them because they were still associated with this crucified Messiah. And Jesus comes and appears before them. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he showed them his wounds and his, and his, and his hands and his feet. And again, he had to reiterate that. And the scripture again says, peace be with you. This is in John chapter 20. And then he, then he commissions them and sends them out. So there's this great picture that, that Jesus understands the need for peace, being this completeness and this wholeness in all aspects of life. And he brings that, literally brings that. Now, the word that we use as peace in the English, um, there's a word from the Hebrew in the Old Testament scriptures and there's a word from the Greek in the New Testament scriptures which describe this very thing. Now, the word that we use in the Old Testament in, in, in the Hebrew language is the word shalom. And you may have heard of that word before. And it, it's a multi-dimensional word. It's more than just talking about the absence of war or conflict. And Timothy Keller, a great pastor and scholar from America, he says this about it. He says, Shalom experienced is multidimensional. Complete well-being, that's physical, psychological, social and spiritual. And it flows from all of one's relationships being put right. That's relationship with God, relationship with and within yourself and relationship with others. And so that word is, is, is a word that is rich in depth and meaning and it's used right through scripture. You know, even to the point where this idea of wholeness, you, you could look at a wall built of, built of stones and if there's a couple of stones missing, then that wall is not shalom, that wall is not complete and whole. So, so it's, it's, it's a word used across a whole range of of areas of life. And then we move into the New Testament, we move into the Greek writing. And there's the word that is used in the Greek called irane, irane. And among a whole range of things, this word, when translated into the English as peace, means a number of things. Let, let me tell you some of these. One of them is this national tranquility. And again, this idea that we are at peace we are not in conflict, we are not in war, we are not in danger. So there's a tranquility of, of a national level. And then, there, then we can bring it down to, to tribes and families and individuals where there's this idea of there, there's um, agreement and there's cooperation and no conflict between people and groups. There's another nuance in this where it talks about uh, having security and safety 
and prosperity. And prosperity not meaning we're gaining wealth and riches, but even the fact that our crops will grow. And when, when we're not in a place of conflict or war, that, that there is this arane available to us, this peace available to us, life starts to work well, all aspects of life. Another nuance of this is that um, this word peace brings this assurance of salvation through Jesus Christ. There is a peace about my eternal um, destination, situation. I don't have to be in conflict or in doubt about that or be anxious about that. There's a real uh, contentment and assurance that, that my eternal salvation is assured. And, and along with that is this contentment of that life is okay and my place in life is okay and that I can be free from fear, fear of things going wrong and fear of lack and fear of um, what others may think. There, there's this peace that can be part of my life, your life, that Jesus is talking about in this situation. So according to New Testament scripture, being people of peace means that we are participating in the life of Jesus, the life where he is actually reconciling all things to himself. So we read in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, we read this in chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So this act of Jesus, this act of his, his willingness to be obedient to his Father, to go to the cross, to give up his life for you and I, that very act and then the resulting resurrection from that is the thing that makes peace, enables peace to be a reality. It's the thing that enables peace to be something that we are freely gifted with and we have the option of stepping into. It enables us to live this good life that we're talking about where peace is one of the key markers of what it means to, to be living in that good life. And so through the, the life and the teaching of Jesus, and his death and his resurrection, he charges you and I, those who are following Jesus, he charges us with that same ministry of reconciliation. He says, hey, this very thing that I was about um, that brings peace, I want you to be about that as well. And I want you to be peacemakers in your society, in your home, in your context. And so reconciliation is one of the central features of a good life. It's tied in so nicely with peace. So there's a great passage that Paul writes to the, to the Corinthians in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. And listen to some of the language that he uses on this very issue. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone and the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's a a powerful passage of scripture for those who are following Jesus to realize that this is what we've been um, called to step into. This is what our our life is actually about. It's It's partnering with Jesus to build his church. It's partnering with the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world to reconcile all people, all things back to himself. It's actually a real privilege. Now, one of the things that I've discovered when we talk about the good life is that many people would have an assumption that if you were to step into literally following Jesus at his word and living as the Bible describes to live, there's this thing in our society that would say that that's actually restrictive, that would be boring, uh, that would be hard to do, um, but we, we just read a passage like this and we can see quite clearly that we are invited into an adventure like no other. That the life that we are invited into with God is a life that, that we cannot compare to anything else. There's nothing else that we could step into that would be as fulfilling and give us that purpose and that meaning um, that, that we're actually looking for in a whole range of things in life. And so as Paul writes this to the Corinthians, his use of the word peace in this context um, around reconciliation is about setting all things in the world right. All things, relationship with God, relationship with one another, relationship with even our very environment that we live in. And so it's this holistic picture, which is really uh, pretty exciting. It talks about flourishing circumstances. It talks about having right relationships and that's relationships, as I just said, with God, with one another and with our world. You see, our lives, my life, your life, I don't know if you've sat and thought about this very often, but they're actually multifaceted. There's so much that goes on in and around us. And so we have roles that we are required to fill. We have responsibilities. We have relationships that we're working on. And while any of these things that we're involved in day to day are not whole and complete, whenever that's the case, peace is not present. And we often look for peace in ways that won't bring peace to us. True peace is when we take what is broken and what is damaged and what is distorted and we make it whole and right and complete. And in this way, The peace that Jesus is talking about, the peace that we read about in Scripture, is a gift. It's a beautiful gift to us. So as I mentioned earlier, when Paul and Peter greeted his readers in his letters, um, there's this blessing of grace and peace. Grace, we, we know through our understanding of Scripture, is a free gift to us, the grace of God. And these are two gifts we can't live without. We can't live without grace. We can't live without peace. So what did you think of earlier? When I asked you a little while ago, what comes to mind when you think of the word peace? What did you think about? I know for me, we, we often, I often associate peace with things like convenience, something that suits me. If, if it's suiting me, then I'll have peace or ease, or comfort, or preferences, that my preferences are met, and when that's happening, I'll be at peace. But I've realized I can't receive peace when I'm expecting 
perfection. When I'm expecting something to be perfectly right, and that's my expectation for then I will experience peace, it doesn't work. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've realized that in your life, in your world, but I think that would be true for all of us. And when our idea of peace is, is put onto something else or someone else, that's just as dangerous. If our peace is dependent on somebody else or a circ- circumstance or a situation, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. Because if, if I'm going to have peace when that relationship's right, when that person does what I want them to do, I can't control that person. If, if I'm going to have peace when I just get that promotion or when I just get a little bit more money or when the kids leave home, we'll have peace. Or when we get to go on that great vacation and finally rest, I'll be at peace. Those things are fleeting and they come and go and we have no control over them. And there's this picture that we often step into as people who, who we try to pin our peace onto a whole range of things that are external to us that we have no say over, no control over. And, and in some ways, that's foolishness. See, God is where our peace comes from. And we're invited to live with God, Emmanuel, Christ with us, Jesus with us. And God will give us this peace in the process of living. Not one day when things are right. Not one day when that situation fixes itself. Not one day when that person finally says sorry. God gives us peace through his indwelling spirit, moment by moment, day by day. It's a, it's a reality that we can live in, walk in, and, and show to others that this is actually a good way to live. Now, thinking about all this, C.S. Lewis, a, a great Christian writer, uh, I came across this, and it just grabbed me in, in terms of looking at this whole topic. And look at this, it says, this is C.S. Lewis talking about these issues. And he says, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. God is not being stingy and withholding joy apart from our obedience. There simply is no joy apart from a life with and for God. So God, please give me happiness and peace, we plead, but let me also live my life as I please. And God answers, I cannot give you that. You are asking for something that does not exist. I love that, this idea that we will often say, I really want peace and I really want that kind of life that we're talking about, but I want to do it my own way. I'm not going to be obedient to what Jesus has asked. I'm just going to do my own thing. And, and Lewis, in his wisdom, is saying, we're asking for something that doesn't exist. Peace and joy and righteousness, those things that we're talking about from that, from that verse in, in Romans 14, those things only exist in and through Jesus Christ in relationship with him. So peace is a marker of the good life. Peace comes from God. It is a gift and it's available to us because of what Jesus has done And it's experienced by the reality of the Holy Spirit in us being ever-present in our lives. This is actually for everyone. This is available for everyone. No one is exempt to this. A decision to follow Jesus and allow him to lead your life is all that's required to step into the reality of this good life, of this peace that we're talking about this morning. 
Peace is not an absence, merely an absence of conflict. But it's a reality. It's a presence of wholeness and completeness in all aspects of life. Now, there will be circumstances around us that are not going well, they're out of our control, but we can have peace in those circumstances because of God's presence, Jesus' Jesus' actions and the Holy Spirit living in us. We can have peace in the middle of tragedy and conflict. We can have peace in the middle of unemployment and, and scarcity. We can have peace in all times because God's peace is with us. It's not something that comes to us when we finally reach a situation. And that's what I love about this whole thing. If we shift our thinking about what this looks like in reality, in practical terms, then we see a picture of a life that that is so attractive that we would just want to step into. Peace is experienced when we actively step into reconciliation with God and with others. And it's others focused. And I want to finish with this passage. This is a passage of Paul's letter to the church in Rome out of chapter 12, verses 9 to 18. And if there's a question you might have, and it's a question I've had, that the what, what can we practically do to live in this way that, it, that peace exists, that it feels like that, that life is at peace? Here are some great advice on what to do, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And here's the key. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So as we finish with that advice, can I encourage you this week What would it look like to take Jesus at his word, to trust him that when he says this is what life is about and we step into it, that life will actually work, that we could experience a peace that maybe we have never experienced before, that we could step into a reality that says, even though what around me is not the ideal, it's not what I'm desiring, that I can have peace in the midst of it because of who Jesus is and what he's done and the gift that he's offering us. So can I encourage you that that may be a key verse for you, that passage out of Romans chapter 12. Can I encourage you to sit in that, to to think what would it look like for me to actually do some of those things this week? And can can I encourage you that as you step into that, you may just find that life starts to work the way we're describing because it's the way Jesus has called us to live. Let me pray. So, Father, I thank you that you call us to live with you, that no matter what's going on around us, you are with us in that. And so we don't have to have all our ducks in a row. We don't have to have everything lined up in a way that we think is going to be perfect. 
we just simply have to surrender to you and allow you to lead us and shape us as we live the lives that are in front of us. So I thank you that you are a peace bringer. I thank you that it's a gift that you have gifted to us. And I pray that as each one of us thinks about what it means to step into this in a practical way, that the reality will be your peace will be evident, your peace will will be life-changing, your peace will be attractive to those around us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.